6, 1 Timothy chapter number 6, and if you're able to this morning, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, don't get anxious when you look at the title of the message this morning, right thinking about money. You know, we need to have the right thoughts, but this morning, it's not about what I think, it's not about what about you think, it's about what the Bible has to say about money. And this morning, I pray that God would speak to all of our hearts. I needed this this week. I hope God will use it in your heart this morning. And so here in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, we're going to read verses 6 through 10. And then we will jump down and read verses 17, 18, and 19. All right? As we follow along this morning in the Word of God, verse number 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for this opportunity to meet with these dear folks. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. And Lord, that you would help us to set everything that's in our minds right now aside, and to focus on the Word of God, that we might have the right thoughts about this subject this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning for the Word of God. Now I want to begin this morning with a question, and here's the question that I want you to think about. Is money good or is money bad? Now a lot of times we think about it, we could think of both sides of that question that money is good and that money is bad. Now, some think it's bad, and usually the ones that think it's bad are the ones that don't have any, right? <laughs> That's usually the ones that think money is bad. But in reality, money is neither good nor bad. Money is neutral. I don't know if you've ever really thought about it, but it becomes good or money becomes bad depending on how it is used. Remember what we just read? The love of money is the root of all evil. Is money evil? No, not according to the Word of God. But the love of it, it's what we do with it depending on how it's used. Uh, we could go out, you could go out and you could buy maybe some novel that would not be edifying to you as a Christian. In other words, it would have some evil things, some wicked thoughts in it, and something like that is going to pollute your mind. You could go out and take some money, you could buy some alcohol, and what it's going to do is it's going to destroy your liver. Truth is, in the, in the end, that it could end up destroying your life, your marriage, 
everything around you because of the effects of a bad choice with money. But on the other hand, you could take money and you could buy gospel tracts. You could buy something that you could give out, that you could tell people in whatever language that they can know for sure that heaven would be their home, that Christ is their Savior, and how they can know for sure that they can have eternal life. You could spend that on giving out gospel tracts. You could give your money to missions, and you could say, I want to be a part of not only reaching people here in this area, but I want to reach people around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, money can be used for good or bad. It all depends on how it is used. Uh, one of the things I love about our church is that uh, right now, while we're in this auditorium, many of you even in the auditorium this morning have children that are in a children's church this morning, and they're back there, and they're hearing the Word of God, and they're being taught songs and various things, and I love children. I love to give the Word of God out to children. You know why? Because children are still excited about it. Some of you got that. Oftentimes, the older we get, we start to overthink things as adults. Children are excited about the Word of God. You can talk about anything in the Bible. They get so excited about it. A lot of times, certain subjects you start talking about, like the one today, and I can see the look on people's faces. But you know what the Bible instructs me as a pastor? To preach the whole counsel of God. I can't skip certain things in the Word of God because, because of what maybe somebody might think or how somebody might stare me down while I'm preaching a message about it. I have to obey, obey the Lord. So listen, if you don't like the message this morning, take it up with God because He's the one that brought me to this, this passage in this place. But what I understand is how important it is to get the gospel into boys' and girls' lives. One of the things we do is we have Vacation Bible School. I love Vacation Bible School. You know one of the biggest reasons I love Vacation Bible School is because I never got to go to Vacation Bible School when I was a kid. I never got to go. How many of you never went to Vacation Bible School when you were a child? Look at all those hands. Wow. I thought I was the only one scarred, you know? How many of you enjoyed Vacation Bible School when you were a kid? Look at that. And I can see those are the ones that are smiling. They have fond memories of Vacation Bible School. But you know, one of the things we do is we, we always have, now we make it silly, but it's serious. We always have an offering during Vacation Bible School. And we tell everybody, hey, we're going to take this offering. We're going to have boys against girls. That's always a good way to get a little competition going, you know? And so we tell them, now listen, we want you to go in and we want you to get into your mom's purse and steal everything she's got. We, we want you to go into your dad's drawer where he keeps all of his change. We want you to take every last, no, we don't tell them that. But we, we tell them, we say, listen, ask your moms and dads and ask them if you can bring some money in for the offering. And listen, many of the parents, they're, they're happy to do that. You know why? Because it's going to a good cause. A couple of years ago, we, we were able with the offering, we were able to purchase 80 Bibles for children halfway across the world that didn't have an opportunity to have a Bible in their hands. Uh, this past year, $1,000 came in during that penny offering, and we sent a $1,000 check to a children's home up in the Tampa area of the state of Florida to help orphan children so that they can hear the gospel, they can go to a Christian school, that they can grow up in a good environment. Folks, listen, those are things that are of eternal significance. Are you with me this morning? See, money can be used for good or money can be used for bad. Now, certainly when we look at it, somebody put it this way. They said, money is a good servant, but it is a poor master. In other words, if I have it, it's good. If it has me, that's bad. And money has a lot of people. A lot of people 
They live for the almighty dollar. But the Bible is filled full of people that were people that had the wrong thinking when it came to money. I want you to notice a couple of these people in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, a man by the name of Demas. And I want you to see what Paul wrote about Demas in the Word of God. Now, again, this wasn't Paul's words. This is the Word of God. But the Bible says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Doesn't sound to me like Demas loved God. Now, before you start judging this man by the name of Demas, if you study his life, what you find is that Demas was probably a saved man. He was a man that was called to do God's work, but somewhere along the way in his life, Demas had uh, the, the love of the world began to creep into Demas's life. That happens to many people. You know, uh, you think about how many people, and I, some might come to your mind, how many people start singing for the Lord in church, but then all of a sudden you see them living it out on the world stage. And they ask them, they say, uh, when did you start singing? And I always hear the same thing in church. Started singing for the Lord. But somehow the world crept into Demas's life. Something began to change. And Demas, like many, he was one that little by little, it began to choke out the desire in his heart to serve God. The Bible tells us that Jesus told the story of about a man they, that had uh, allowed material uh, things into his life. And, and look what it says in Luke chapter number 12. He spoke a parable unto them, saying that the ground of a certain man brought forth, notice, plentifully. And Jesus said that he thought, this man thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Uh, he, he was a blessed man. What shall I do? Because I have no room to bestow my fruits. He said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns. There was nothing wrong with those barns. But he says, I'm going to pull those barns down and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so thou hast many goods laid up for many years, take thine ease... Eat, drink, and be merry. Is that not the philosophy of the world today, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. And the Bible says this, God said unto this man, thou fool, this night, look what God says, thy soul shall be required of thee. Notice, God wasn't going to require of him his material things. He was going to require of him that his, his life, all those material things, what was important to God was his soul and not all those things. Yet so many people live their lives for things because they have the wrong thinking and the wrong uh, thought processes that go along with it. Jesus said it is foolish to think that material things can satisfy. You talk about how many people you drive by their house if their garage is open, you see all the cars and motorcycles and boats and things out on the side of their garage, and yet those people that have all those things are some of the most miserable people you ever met in your life because things cannot buy happiness. A lot of people live for those things. There was another man that had wrong thoughts about money in the Bible. His name was Achan. Look what it says in Joshua 7. If you're familiar with this, it says that he, this man said, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. This man named Achan was a man that, that, that saw and had to have it. He coveted after. He took that which he was not supposed to, the accursed thing, that which he wasn't supposed to. And again, what did he do? He took it and he hid it 
and he thought he got away with it. Now, if you read the story, here's what happens is Achan never got to use those things that he took. He never got to enjoy. As a matter of fact, you see that it cost him his life. Not only did it cost him his life, it cost him his family's life. It actually cost his entire tribe their lives because of the wrong thinking about money. You see, wrong thinking about material things and money can have bad results. But interesting, listen, I didn't come to talk about the negative side of money today. I came to talk to you about the positive things. In our passage today, in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, it tells us how we can have the right kind of thinking about material. Notice we're only going to do that, first of all, if we have the right priorities. The right priorities. Look at verse number 6 again and what the Bible says. The Bible says here in verse number 6, But godliness with contentment is great what? Great gain. Now the word priority, let me help you understand this morning, Priority is being right, first of all, with God. That means that someone, according to the Word of God, has been justified. To be justified means that you have realized that, that God had sent His Son, Jesus, that you can have eternal life someday, that you repent of your sins, and that you ask Christ to be your Savior. In other words, that you have been justified. God sees you through the shed blood of His dear Son, just as if you had never even been a sinner. So when we think about godliness, godliness is being right with God. Mark 8, 36, look at this. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own what? His own soul. You think about how many people, we've heard of, even in recent days about uh, people that were worth millions of dollars and they stepped out into eternity but listen, if they did not know Christ as their Savior, then they will not spend eternity with the Lord. And so this matter of godliness is a priority in our lives. The Word of God teaches us over and over again that it's far more important than money is this matter of having a godly life. If our priorities are right, then everything else in life will fall into place. And the Bible says, again in verse number 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. So look, the first priority of godliness is that we are right with God, but also along with that is that we need to understand godliness concerns our walk with others. How are you in life with other people that you're around? Is there an honesty between you and others? Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So one of the priorities on our lives is this matter of godliness. Now, folks, we cannot make ourselves godly. Only God can do that in our hearts. And so I pray this morning that you know Christ as your Savior, that there is a decision that has been made at one time in your life that you know for sure that Christ is your Savior, that you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says godliness with what? Contentment. Now, here's the second priority that I want you to see. What is contentment? Contentment is to be satisfied with what one has or to be satisfied with what one is. In other words, not wanting more. I, I think that is uh, true for so many people. You know, we always want what the Joneses have. I don't know who the Joneses are, 
but everybody's trying to keep up with them, right? We're never happy with the car we have. We want the, the car that our neighbor has. We're never happy with the job that we have. We want the job that somebody else has. But God says godliness with contentment is great gain. It doesn't say godliness is great gain. It says godliness with contentment is great gain. There was a man, interesting story, true story. He was out one day and he saw, of all things, he saw a bald eagle in the sky and that bald eagle began to kind of make circles in the sky and he noticed that as longer he watched it that the circles of that eagle kept getting narrower and narrower and narrower and tightening as he was watching and then all of a sudden he looked because he realized why that was happening because he looked down at the ground took his eyes off the eagle and he saw a weasel on the ground but this eagle had saw that weasel long before the man had saw the weasel on the ground. And this eagle saw this weasel and he, he began like a jet airplane. He came down out of the sky. He caught that weasel by his talons and he began to soar back up into the sky with this weasel in its talons. The man watched in amazement as the eagle began to fly higher and higher. But while the eagle was flying higher, this weasel was tearing away at the breast of that eagle. He was tearing away, uh, snapping bones and chewing on flesh. He was doing everything he could to be released of that eagle. And this man watched as that eagle folded up and crashed and the little weasel came out of the eagle and just wandered on his way for the rest of the day. And you think about what happened that that man saw that day. And here's my thought is getting what you want doesn't always work out to what, the way we think it will. A lot of times we think things are going to happen a certain way, but sometimes the things we want are the very things that ruin us. And that many people have made that mistake. But again, what does the Bible say? Godliness with contentment is great gain. If we're going to have the right thinking about money, we've got to have the right priorities. And the right priorities is godliness is the first priority and contentment with the things we have is great gain. But notice, secondly, we also have to have the right perspectives. Look back in our passage in verse number six. The Bible says in our passage, we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Job put it this way, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, do you know what happens if a person dies with money, he leaves behind all of it, every last bit of it. You cannot take it with you when you go. Somebody wrote a, a, a testimony of someone that we know, and he wrote it this way. He said, bound to the Roman soldier, enclosed in some, uh, enclosed in some narrow apartment, in touch with only a few friends who made an effort to discover him, Away from the happy scenes of his earlier life and anticipating Nero's bar, he breaks out into these glorious expressions of calmness. He had learned how to be content. In the valley of the shadow, he wore the flower of heart's ease in his buttonhole. F.B. Meyer wrote that as he read about the end of the life of the man that we know as the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul along the way 
had peace of mind. He had contentment. You know why? Because he had the right perspective when it came to money. But I want you to see, thirdly, we also need to have the right protection. The right protection. Go back to verse number 9. Look what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Look at it. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now notice the verse doesn't say, look at it, it doesn't say they that are rich, does it? Look at it. Is that what it says? What does it say? They that, speak to me, they that will be rich. Now again, the Word of God doesn't make the mistake here. You and I need to see that it is not wrong for a man or a woman to be rich. It's not wrong for us to be poor. It's just inconvenient, is it not? Every one of us understands that. But the Word of God instructs us one thing, that we are not to strive to be rich. That shouldn't be the goal of life, is to be rich. Look at Proverbs 15, 27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. Proverbs 20, 21. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof, the Bible says the end of it all shall not be blessed. If you look at any situation, a failed home, a life that's been destroyed, really anything. If you read an article in the newspaper, you see a, maybe a story on the news. Here's what you'll find is, is that most sin is connected to the love of money. If you look at it, you'll find in the end that many sins are connected to the love of money. And what you and I need to do is we need to guard our hearts so that you and I don't fall into that very same trap. When people begin to put prosperity and money before God. You know what they're heading for? A downfall. The Bible puts it this way. Look at it again. Many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. That's the direction that we head when we put money before God. We need to pray for the protection of God so that we too don't get caught up in materialism, that our life is not just spent so that we might have things or we might have money. I read a true story about George W. Truett, a great preacher of days gone by. He was invited to dinner in the home of a wealthy man that lived in Texas. This is a true story. The man had him over, you know, because of Truett's position and as a pastor. And after they had this really nice meal, uh, the, the, this, this man who was a very wealthy man in Texas, he, he took him out to where he could have a good view of the surrounding area. They go outside. And this man begins to point at the oil wells that were punctuating the landscape. And this rich man, he began to boast to Truett. And he says to him, 25 years ago, I had nothing. He says, now I want you to look, pastor. He says, as far as you can see, it's all mine. All those oil wells that were punctuating the landscape. And then he, he says, now look over this way. And he pointed in a different direction at, at the fields of grain in that direction. And here's what he said to Truett. He said, all of that is mine. Then he pointed eastward, and they, as the pastor and this rich uh, farmer looks over, he says, you see all the cattle over there? And there were herds of cattle over there. He began to brag to the pastor. He says, they're all mine. And then he pointed to the west, and there was this beautiful forest. And he says to the pastor, all of that also 
is mine. And Truett kind of looked in each direction. He saw that. He saw the way the man was with his chest kind of puffed up. And Truett did something that really impacted the man because after he paused, he was thinking, well, this, this, this pastor is going to compliment. He's, he's going to tell me the great success that I've been in life. But Truett put his hand on the man's shoulder. And he did one simple gesture, he pointed upward, and he said to the man, how much do you have in that direction? And the man hung his head and he confessed this thought, he said, I never thought of that. And you know, a lot of people never think about that. They think about, what about this? I need to have this, I need to have that. And you know, many people are, in the world standards, successful. But today, what ought to be our focus is, to be successful in God's eyes. What do we have that way? You see, we have to have the right protection. But notice, we also have to have the right purpose. Go to verse number 17 in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The Bible says here, look at this, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, I sat there and I thought to myself in verse 17, because it begins with charged them. And I thought, who is he charging? Who's he making this claim to? Is he talking to Christians? Certainly. Maybe he's talking to Americans. Are we not blessed? I don't know exactly who it was, but I think to myself, even in our country, there are people in our country, the United States of America, that are living on welfare that are richer than people that live in other countries. We are very blessed people. And here's what he says. Charge them that they be not high-minded. Now, the word high-minded means this. To not get your nose up in the air because God has been good to you. Because God has given you something or God has given me something. He says that we shouldn't trust in, notice, not riches, but what kind of riches? Uncertain riches. You know, nothing in this life is for sure. The only certainty we have is God. Now think about that. All the things that people put their faith and trust in, the 401ks and the stock market and all those things, folks, that's uncertain riches. And God says to not trust in uncertain riches. You know why? Because someday or maybe one day all money will be worthless. Every last bit of it. Folks, listen, God's going to pave the streets of heaven with gold. You think about how precious gold is in this world. To God, it's just pavement. It's asphalt. And yet, we, we put such high values on things that are uncertain in this world. Uh, the Bible says, if any man's work shall be burned. Folks, one day, everything in this world will be burnt up. Everything that you and I own. And God says that, I love verse 17, God who giveth us Richly, all things, look at the next two words. Why does God give us all things? To do what with it? Yeah. To enjoy it. 
And you know what that means? That means that God says, hey, look, it's okay, the things that you have, I've given them to you so that you can enjoy them. Now, that's an interesting statement there because God wants us to enjoy the things that he wants us to have. God wants us to get involved in his work with those things that he's given to us. He wants us to enjoy giving to something that is eternal. Look, we don't have to wait until we die to will something to God. God says, I want you to get involved now. I want you to be a part of what I am trying to do in this world. I love verse 18. He says that they do good. Use your money for something that is good. Remember, we talked about people in the Bible, and there were many more people besides Achan and others that did bad with it. But look, there is a lot of good that we can do with the money that God has given to us. The proper use of money, the proper giving of your money can make you rich, according to the Word of God. It can make you rich in good works. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I learned this a long time ago. You can't outgive God. And you know, a lot of people have thought, well, I'm going to try it. That I think clearly it's time that God's people stop nickeling and diming and get down to business about giving to God, about trusting God. And look, it, it, we, we need to understand that inflation doesn't bother God. Somebody wrote it this way. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. He owns the silver and the oil and all those hills. And he still controls every last bit of it. And what does he tell us here in these verses? Here's what he says. I've given it to you richly to enjoy, and then look what he says, and be ready to distribute. How many of you, when the offering plates come by, you go, I get to give? A lot of times I don't see that. But you know, the truth is God sees that. The Bible says that we should be a cheerful giver. The word actually means hilarious. It is a joy to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the Bible says when you come to church, when you go out into the community, hey, listen, why did God put that on my heart? Because I really believe that every day of the life of a child of God, we ought to be ready to distribute. We ought to say, hey, look, he's got a need. I want to try to help him. She's got a need. Folks, we won't think about those kinds of things. You know why? Because we don't have the right thought patterns because it's all about me, my goods. I want to pull down my barns. I want to build greater. It's all about what I can amass in this life. But God says, no, 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 no. The right thoughts are that you and I need to be ready to distribute. God so loved the world that he gave. That's the right purpose in life. God says we need to be ready to distribute and then look on because you think about again this proper use of money and what God is God doesn't give to you so that you can keep it somebody said God doesn't want us to be cisterns but channels God wants to work through us you can't take it with you but you can send it on ahead look what Jesus said in Matthew 6 lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth the Bible talks about where moss and rough doth corrupt where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moss nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Where's your treasure today? Well, I've got, I've got stocks and bonds. Well, that's fine. You know, what are you doing with God? What's God's given to you? 
Do you have the right perspective? Do you have the right purpose? See, if we're going to have the right kind of thinking about material things, we must have the right kind of minds and the right kind of hearts, and we need to have God help us to control our minds and enlarge our hearts so that we can do God's will when it comes to having money in this world. Look what it says in Matthew 19. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. Verily I say unto you, now watch this, that a man, a rich man, can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, you know what God is saying there? I mean, there's been times, especially as I get older, I, I, it's been a while since I've got a needle out to some thread and try to get it through there. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't get this thread through there. I don't know how a camel could get through that. And here's what he's conveying to us is that earthly riches, you know what they can be? Listen, what they can be is they can be an obstacle in many areas of our lives. But one way they can be an obstacle is in the area of salvation. See, people that have money oftentimes, not all people, but oftentimes are people that have no time for God. They don't need God. You know why? Because they have everything. And I've seen times where God has had to bring somebody to the place to where he can get their attention. But I want you to look at that verse again. Because as Jesus said those words, notice that it says hardly. Look at it. It says hardly. It doesn't say it's impossible. When I saw that, I thought about how that they that love the world have not, according to the word of God, they have not the love of the Father in them. Jesus said, again, I say. In other words, Jesus was very emphatic in this verse here, in verse, uh, chapter 19, verses 23 and 24. He was very emphatic that it is difficult for somebody who loves money more than God to go to heaven someday. And yet a lot of people, that's the focus of their life because they don't have the right thinking. The question this morning is, what's keeping you out of heaven? Is it the love of money? What's keeping you from living a life that's pleasing to God? Is it the love of money? Remember, godliness with contentment is great gain. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed, folks, it's time maybe for many of us to change our thinking. And the only thing that you can do, like I've tried to do, is say, Lord, help me to have the right perspective to have the right priorities, to have the right thinking when it comes to what you have placed in our hands, in my hands, in your hands. Lord, I pray that you would help during this invitation. Lord, as your word has gone out this morning, I realize this is a subject that many times is a difficult one for most people. But this morning we see that even though there are some like Demas that have forsaken what you had put in his heart because of the love of the things of this world. Lord, I ask this morning that as your children, that we would understand the importance to have the right perspective, to see that everything, every good gift, every perfect gift cometh down from above, that we are blessed because of you. And I pray that if there is someone here this morning that has allowed the love of money to become their God, 
that they would turn from that and turn to you, that they would put their faith in you this morning. Not all money is evil. Not all money is bad. It's what we do with it that makes it good or bad. And I pray that you'd help your children this morning and every day of our lives to realize that we need to do something good with it, to be ready to distribute, to communicate with it. God, you want us to enjoy the things you've given to us, and that includes the money that you allow us to have. And help us to see that. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?